Hi everyone. We watched the story of Palm Sunday at the start of the service, but I also wanted us to read it from the Bible. So I've made a short video using words from the book of Matthew chapter 21, but I also used a, a clip from a movie called Son of God, just to give us an idea of what it might have been like. And after the reading, you'll just see a little bit more of the story playing out. When they neared Jerusalem, Jesus sent two disciples with these instructions. Go over to the village across from you. You'll find a donkey tethered there, her colt with her. Untie her and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, say, the master needs them. He will send them with you. The disciples went out and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They led the donkey and colt out, laid some of their clothes on them, and Jesus mounted. Nearly all the people in the crowd threw their garments down on the road, giving him a royal welcome. Others cut branches from the trees and threw them down as a welcome mat. Crowds went ahead and crowds followed, all of them calling out, Hosanna to David's son, blessed is he who comes in God's name. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Where is he now? He's just entered the city on a donkey. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, humble, and riding on a donkey. Where's he headed? Towards the temple. He must not interfere with Passover. God will bring his wrath down upon all of us. And who knows what Pilate will do if the crowds run out of control. Nicodemus, go with Malchus. If he enters the temple, watch him. Do not blink. You can read this story on so many levels. There's so much going on here and there's so much tension. On the one hand, it's a moment of victory. It's a celebration march where Jesus, the Messiah, asserts his authority over Jerusalem, which is the centre of religious and political power for the whole nation. As you can see from the clip, it's both joyous and provocative. The disciples are riding the wave of emotion. They're expecting Jesus to lead a revolution, probably a military revolution. And yet he doesn't act like a military king. He claims the title of the long awaited Messiah, which really winds up the religious leaders. But he appears to be a very humble king riding very simply on a donkey. The way that Matthew tells the story, he quotes these uh, words from Zechariah, which in that clip were quoted by the chief priest. Um, and it's Zechariah 9, 9, where it says, Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey. And so this crowd has followed Jesus right back in Galilee. That's quite a few days walk. And the crowd has grown on the way as much of the population heads towards the capital to celebrate the feast of the Passover. Rumours are going around about the kind of miracles Jesus has performed. They're saying he's a prophet. They're saying he heals lepers. They're saying he brought a man back from the dead. And they're caught up in this fervent praise and adoration and shouting and waving and singing and cheering. And yet we know that only a few days later, these same crowds will turn on Jesus, easily stirred up the other way to shout, for his crucifixion and death. 
But there's something about Jesus that just seems to draw out people's praise and worship. And it's so magnificent and it's so glorious on this day. And Jesus knows that he's coming to a crunch point of his ministry. Having declared and demonstrated the kingdom of God for the previous three years, he's had several run-ins already with the religious authorities, but things now are ramping up. The confrontation is coming to a head. It's leading to the events of Holy Week and Easter that we're going to be reflecting on ourselves through the next few days. Jesus must have been in real tension because even as he was enjoying the praise of the crowds, he knew what was coming. He knew what he was going to have to go through. It must have been really stressful. Later in the Garden of Gethsemane, we read that he was so anxious he was sweating blood. He knew what going to the cross was going to cost him and he knew he was going to suffer. And yet he didn't flinch or run away or hide, but he didn't minimise what he felt either. He went through the full range of emotions. He was real, but he pressed back into God with all of his struggles. And, you know, as we experience all kind of challenges and tension and struggles for ourselves in the current circumstances we find ourselves in, we can take comfort in the fact that Jesus has been there. That Jesus experienced these kinds of things, too, and that he's with us. Now, many of you will know Johnny and Beth and you'll know some of their story over the past few years and particularly uh, the circumstances over the last couple of years, how their lives were turned upside down at very short notice with a very sudden end to their meaningful relationships, a loss of work and facing illness and potential death. Well, Beth got in touch this week to see if any of their journey could be an encouragement to others in this time of challenge. And obviously their experiences are different to what many of us are facing, but there are some really meaningful similarities in what they felt and how they've coped with it. And so we asked them to film their testimony. And what we hadn't realised until this week was that Psalm 18 was really important to them. You'll hear them reading part of it in a moment. There's plenty in that psalm that's relevant for us today. There's a part which talks about taking refuge in the Lord, which we talked about last week. And I also noticed that this beautiful tie-in to Palm Sunday story, because when the crowds are shouting praise to Jesus, one of the lines that they're shouting is a direct quote from Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So as we realised uh, this tie-in this week, Joe and I really felt like this was a word for God from us today. So I'm going to hand over to Johnny and Beth to tell their story and share some thoughts with us. Hi, Hi everyone. everyone. It's good to join you in your sitting rooms today. Uh, as many of you may remember, uh, you have been walking with us for a number of years as we went and worked in Tajikistan and then came back to the UK in 2018. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. We first heard this song, Oceans, Where Feet May Fail when we were on home leave to have Hetty. Returning with a tiny baby to the place where we loved, but where life had its challenges and less support, felt very daunting as first time parents. And the words of this refrain spoke to our heart's cry and we sang it and prayed it countless times. In June 2018, I had been feeling under the weather for around four months um, and enough was enough. And I came back to the UK uh, on my own for some tests, uh, thinking it would be a virus that would require a month or so of antibiotics. Beth stayed in the mountains with Hetty. 
Uh, I had a number of tests, and whilst I was waiting for, for biopsy results, I headed to London for what I thought was a routine checkup on the uh, mass that had built up on my chest. Uh, they told me at that moment that I had Hodgkin lymphoma, a form of cancer, and that I, had I delayed any longer in Tajikistan, I could easily have died. But despite this imminent threat to my health, they also told me there weren't enough beds for them to admit me uh, then and there, um, and I took the train home, unable to contact Beth to tell her what was going on. I'm sure that there are many now in the, in the situation of being told some terrible news without loved ones around due to the social distancing and isolation. With Johnny's lymph node biopsy results pending, Hetty and I say goodbye to our loved ones in Tajikistan. To Hetty's Pamiri grandparents, whom she'd spent more time with than her real grandparents. To her aunts and uncles, the dear families who had embraced us as their own, and the friends who had shared every aspect of life with. Hetty and I got up at 3am to partake in the 18-hour drive in 35 degrees of heat, no AC, on a bumpy, windy road. Hetty was extremely hot and car sick. She was so tired, but not able to sleep. And whilst caring and entertaining her, running through my head was the thought of Johnny's diagnosis. What it would be, and how far away we were from him at this time. Knowing that he knew by now, but we didn't yet know. As Johnny said, at this time, so many people are facing similar situations. They're not knowing what the outcome of coronavirus could be for them or for their loved ones. Finally, exhausted and alone in the guest house, with Hetty asleep, I phoned Johnny and he told me he had cancer. I had a day to kill with Hetty in the heat before 18 more hours of flights and airports. As I look back, it's a bit hazy this time until I joined Johnny but I know that God gave me strength. In December 2018, after several uh, rounds of chemo, the scan suggested that I was clear and they're now working on the basis that I'm cured. Beth and Hetty went back to Tajikistan to clear up our house and say goodbye to our friends and life there. I haven't been able to do that yet and that's really sad. Uh, relationships with my best friends, colleagues and neighbours are now reduced to pleasantries on five minute phone calls every couple of months. I carried on my work until May 2019 over Skype, as many of you are doing now, and faced that frustration of not knowing how the people I cared for were really doing and really coping. Despite the upheaval of our rush move to the UK, the discomfort and uncertainty around the chemo and the frustration of not finding permanent work straight away, God has been so faithful. He has provided peace when we've needed it, healing when needed, and enough work and gifts to keep the bills paid. That isn't to say that there haven't been some really scary times, uh, sad times, and distressing times particularly as I've watched the impact of all these events on Beth and Hetty, but it has provided us with a loving and generous community here at Winvin, uh, and uh, you guys have been praying for us through this ordeal. Beth and a number of others have uh, given were given Psalm uh, 118 for me, and I've taken great encouragement that the Lord is fighting for me and will never let me go. I'm just going to read a couple of verses from Psalm 118 now. This is uh, verses 14 to uh, 17, and then verse 19. 
Lord, you are my true strength and my glory song, my champion, my saviour. The joyful songs I now sing will be sung again in the hearts and homes of all your lovers. My loud shouts of victory will echo throughout the land, for Yahweh's right hand conquers valiantly. The right hand of Yahweh exalts. The right hand of Yahweh will never fail. I shall not die, but live to tell the world of what the Lord has done for me. And verse 19, swing wide you gates of righteousness and let me pass through. And I will enter into your presence to worship you only. Amazing verses. It took us several months of living back in the UK to realise that all this meant we couldn't return to our life in Tajikistan. Naively, we had thought Johnny could have his treatment and we could return. When we did realise, it was devastating. At that time, Johnny was still very sick with treatment. I was experiencing culture shock and we were grieving all our significant relationships out there, as well as the work that we loved and were called to. We were faced with nothing of life being the same and not knowing what the future would hold for Johnny or for us. Incredibly, we had a peace in all of this. We felt an assurance that God, from God that Johnny would not die but live to tell of what the Lord has done. And that gave us strength and hope. Again, countless people are currently faced with life having been turned upside down and futures being very uncertain in every sphere of life. We never asked the question why. It didn't seem relevant for us. The more pertinent question for us was how. We know God uses everything for his glory. So we wondered how he was going to use this and how could we join with him to bring him glory and further the kingdom, and particularly in the Pamis where our hearts were, were still. Thankfulness as well as continued prayer for the place and people we loved seemed to be the answer, even though we were so far away from them physically. We knew, and God gave us faith and confidence, that he would bring beauty from ashes, whatever the outcome we had to face. At the time, people kindly observed how strong I was, but inside I felt very weak, and yet I was experiencing God's strength in my weakness to do what I needed to do. I was both thankful for so many things, the NHS, treatment, family, community, church, God's provision through all of those things. Um, but also I was really full of sorrow. I desperately missed our life and our friends. I felt a misfit in this place that others called my home. I was saddened by Johnny's suffering and concerned for Hetty uprooted from her home with a sick and distant dad and an often tearful mum. I couldn't think about pray for or talk about Tajikistan without uncontrollable floods of tears. And when I did talk about our life and friends left behind, my breathing could become constrained and I could sink to the floor in a panic attack. Once Johnny had finished treatment and was getting stronger, Hetty was more settled and life became a little more normal. I was relieved and thankful for Johnny's healing and getting more used to the idea of life in the UK. I appreciated so much of the blessings of UK life, clean potatoes when you buy them, um, and being close to family. I was functioning fine 
and not having many panic attacks. And yet it was at this time that I felt really broken inside. People are facing so, so much at the moment. Most of you are facing so much at the moment and they are getting on with what they need to do. I'm often amazed at the resilience of people in the face of hardship. And for many, it will be after things have settled down some that they realise the toll it has taken on them. As I started to have time and headspace to process the loss and start to unravel the big mixed up ball of emotion inside of me, a wonderful lady generously gave me space to talk. She cared, patiently listened, prayed and led me in prayer. And through this, God has done a beautiful healing in me. I am still saddened by losses and unfilled and unfulfilled hopes that continue to play out as a result of all of this. But I'm no longer overflowing with sorrow and I no longer have times where I struggle to breathe. God not only met me in the pain and loss of the time, but has taken me so much deeper. He took me to a place that I wouldn't have gone had I not felt so broken inside. He has brought, me, he has brought beauty out of my ashes and I have emerged more whole, more of who he made me to be, and more in love with him. I'm thankful for these events, difficult as they were for all of us, and others that he's allowed to happen, because it's brought me to a place where I could only survive and recover by throwing myself on him, and, and a strength together relying on each other. He answered our prayer. He has taken us so much deeper than we would ever have wondered and he has made our faith so much stronger. We're confident that God will give us the resources that we need to face whatever situation we're in. Now, as we see countless families in this country going through similar times of upheaval and uncertainty, we long that God would break into their situations as he did in ours. As many of you are, we face uncertainty about work, about rent, uh, and concern for loved ones who are in vulnerable groups or working on the NHS frontline. And we want to encourage you that whilst he might not take you out of those difficult times immediately, he is walking with you and is there to uphold and sustain you through, these, uh, through them. As we face another load of upheaval and uncertainty with coronavirus, we do so with the knowledge and experience that God has and is and will be faithful. The words of Matt Redmond's song, 10,000 Reasons, spring to mind. Whatever may pass, whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. To finish, we'd like to share some practical learnings and applications. <clears throat> the question that comes to mind is, was I failing as a Christian because I felt broken or because I had panic attacks? No. <laughs> Um, the things we face, the things many are facing now, were not how God intended life to be. What the world is facing now is not what God intended life to be. We live in a broken world with physical and mental sickness. Jesus does have the victory, but as we heard a while back, the kingdom has come. But in some areas it hasn't come fully and until Jesus comes again, we won't see it in its entire fullness. Trauma and loss pay their toll. God did not intend such trauma, but he does want to bear the weight of it for us. 
And that's why Jesus died. He wants to give us his strength and peace in return for our trauma. The devil wants to keep things in the dark and deceives, tells you lies that you're not a proper Christian if you're depressed or if you've got anxiety. But Jesus wants to bring these things into the light to bring strength, to give strength and to bring healing. Being listened to in times like these is invaluable. How can you be a good listener? Be available, ask open questions, but also let your questions be specific open questions to show that you're interested. Not many people can, can share deeply um, with just one or two questions. A rapport, a trust is needed. And good questions go beyond the British. So how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Um, and good questions could include, how is it affecting you not having an income at this time? How are you managing now that your family rhythms have suddenly changed? How are you feeling about having contact with coronavirus? Um, sorry, contact with patients with coronavirus every day. At the moment, everyone is facing loss and uncertainty, but you can pay it forward if you give your time and self to listen well and trust that God will provide someone in turn for you, or you could seek someone out when you're ready to talk. One person's trauma is not comparable to another's. There is so much that plays into any situation. Don't assume that you know their situation. When you ask a question, give the person space to process and to answer. Don't answer for them. James chapter 1 verse 19 says, Everyone should be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to become angry. Jesus wants to take your suffering and give you peace in return. But this is a transaction and a meeting has to happen. Talk to him. In whatever way you connect with him, journal or paint, or simply let your tears fall when you don't have words to express it. When your child is struggling, you want to hear about it. It gives an opportunity for you to reassure them of your love and their security in you. It helps them to process what's going on. You wouldn't want them not to tell you, and you wouldn't want them to not tell the truth. Well, neither would God. There's always something to be thankful for. Uh, really, you can always find something. Uh, it's healing to be able to do this, and it's uh, honouring of who God is. It can be as simple as saying thank you for the beautiful sunshine and the singing birds. It is important to have a safe person that you can express the things that you're thankful for, as well as be honest about the challenges that you're facing. You don't need to do this to everyone but you do need to do it to at least one person. For the empaths out there, as we listen to people, we need to remember that their pain, is, as they share it with us, it's not then ours to carry. We're in this wonderful position where we can direct them to Jesus, who will carry their pain for them. And there's a season for everything. <clears throat> the season for processing may not be in the midst of the trauma. For me, it was when things were more settled and there was room to breathe and to think. So keep, pe so keep being available for people until the time is right for them. Well, so that's us. Uh, I'm just going to pray now to close and, um, and hand back over to Nigel and Joe. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit.
Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are with us all, that you live in us and that you see everything that we go through. Lord, you know our deepest emotions, our deepest fears and our securities. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal more of Jesus to us and more of the Father to us and more of who you are to us. Lord, that you would lift heavy burdens from people's shoulders, that you would uh, show us that you walk with us through all these difficult times. And from that, from that place of security that you've got this, may you empower us to go out and share that good news with those around us. And particularly as we think about Easter and all that Jesus did on the cross so that we no longer have to live in fear, um, Lord, may we be given opportunities to share that with others, whether they be in our um, in our household that we're on lockdown with, whether it's over Skype, whether it's neighbours that we're helping out with food. Uh, Lord, please give us those opportunities and walk with us into this next week. In Jesus' name. Amen.